Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And today we're going to be talking about Women being empowered through knowing their own body and how a better and deeper understanding of our energy systems, of our chakras can really change the way we experience ourselves and our health and well-being. Today, I'm joined by Amy Lee Kaiser. She is a Reiki master, a licensed massage therapist who specializes in pelvic health. Amy, I'm delighted to have you join us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. And you and I have chatted before, so we're very aligned about women's health and women's empowerment. But tell me a little bit about your own journey, because I know that you started out somewhere along there as a nurse, but you're in a very different space now. Right. Yes. So just kind of my own I've always been a teacher and a healer. I was just trying to find the correct path. So I did become a nurse and I did, first I was a certified nursing assistant and then I became a nurse and I worked as a nurse for about six years, seven years on the floor and all in long-term care. So I worked with the elderly, the vast majority of my medical career. Then what kind of happened is I, in my personal life, started kind of sinking into a depression. I was, you know, unhappy and unfulfilled in a lot of ways. I had three healthy, beautiful kids, but there was just this stirring inside of me. And I really didn't know which way to take it or what it even meant. So I went to mental health counseling and she suggested that after, you know, about a year and a half of working with her, she suggested that I receive some energy healing And I was skeptical at first and a little afraid because I didn't know anything about it. But then I just thought, you know, I do not want to go on medication for this depression. For whatever reason, I felt like if I went on, I would never be able to come off. And I didn't want to do that because, of course, being a nurse, I had seen what long-term psych meds can do to a person. So I decided to do the more natural route. I went to a Reiki healing session. And after the first session, I signed up to take the first two courses or two levels of healing immediately. It was such a profound effect on me. And 
I just knew that this was going to be something that was going to be really big. Then as that kind of started happening, I found a group of women that supported me at that time. And the depression was kind of lifting. I decided to make, you know, a huge life change and leave my ex-husband. And Reiki really helped me balance my energy and keep my cool through that because you can do self-Reiki once you have level one. And yeah, it got to the point where every time I went to the nursing home and had to give these elderly people this medication that I believed in my heart and in my gut was not really benefiting them the way they were supposed to because these symptoms were trying to, they were trying to manage the symptoms, but nobody was addressing the human being behind the symptoms. Nobody was addressing their energetic well-being, their mental health as a whole person. And then this one lady actually fell and broke her pelvis, one of my residents. And she, after she was still on all these medications for this broken pelvis, I mean, eight, nine months later. So her pelvis was completely healed, but she had, they had still continued to just give her all these medications. And one day she just decided she was not going to take those meds anymore. And nothing that we could do would get her to take these medications. So she was on meds. She was on a couple different kinds of pain meds, narcotics. She was on high blood pressure meds, anti-anxiety meds, just all of these things to continue to manage the symptoms. But after she refused to take these meds, she was getting better. She was completely fine. Her cognitive function was increasing. She didn't have anxiety. She didn't have high blood pressure. And she started to actually improve. She could hold a conversation. She could, she started to walk again with help, of course. But I thought, wow, this woman just inside of herself decided this isn't good for me. I'm not going to do it. And she got better. So what if more people did that, you know? And then that kind of launched me into massage therapy Mm -hmm. because I wanted to do something more natural. And I started my own business almost seven years ago now. That is amazing. I love that. That is amazing. And I feel, wow, that's fantastic. And so true. Suddenly somebody gets up and they are able to move and feel better. And I love that bit about the cognitive functioning, because we don't realize what some of these meds do, do we, Amy? They're kind of clouding our judgment. And so we stop listening to ourselves. Well, and the other aspect to that too, is when you think of the environment of a nursing home in general, the people are chronically dehydrated because there's no possible way that the staff can get them a drink every time they need it. We have to give the elderly water every shift. But if they don't remember what a cup is or how to use a straw, or if they don't have the strength to pick that up, then they're not getting adequate hydration. So that automatically means that their body is not going to synthesize those medications properly, regardless, not even taking into account all the interactions between the actual meds. So you have an elderly, frail body that's not synthesizing things properly you have to start removing things. But so many of us kind of get caught in our routine and also the politics of it all. We have to give these meds because these are the orders. And it really takes a lot sometimes to advocate for these people to say, hey, you know, we should probably back these off 
but nobody wants to deal with the inconvenience if that doesn't work. Totally. I get that. There is so much so difficult there because clearly we want to do the best for people, but at the same time, we're not helping them either. That's a very tough situation for staff to be placed in, isn't it? Yes. But you moved on to work now, as I know you do, focused on a lot on women's health. Tell me a little bit about some of the key areas that you work with women on. Almost three years ago now, I went and took some visceral manipulation training. And what visceral manipulation is essentially is very deep massage work. And I only work in externally. I don't do anything internal. But I'm literally trying to feel your uterus and your ovaries and feel if everything is moving properly. There's obviously some discomfort involved in this, but you should never let any practitioner push you to the point of pain. So again, recognizing you know your body, knowing what you can take, knowing what's okay for you and speaking up. So I obviously never push a client to the point of pain, but when we're working with scar tissue, there's definitely discomfort in there. So I'm, I'm working very deeply in that area of the pelvis, but around the whole body. So I'm working in the hip area. I'm working on the glutes, all of like your sits bones, the attachments of your hamstrings. And then I also do some fascia work up the back of the client. And the entire time that a client is receiving this pelvic work, the visceral manipulation, they're also receiving Holy Fire Reiki, which is the energetic manifestation of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I know that sometimes that can sound like way out there, but essentially Reiki is the energy piece that I feel really strongly continues to be forgotten is the energy aspect of the body. So while they are getting the physical healing, they're getting energy healing to support them emotionally while they're going through this process because when I'm working this deeply into the body, a woman can have full-on detox symptoms. So if you've ever done a detox, you know, sometimes there's headaches, sometimes there's anxiety, sometimes there's diarrhea, sometimes there's nausea, sometimes you're really fatigued. So when you have organs and structures in the body that have never been worked on, there's stagnant energy there, medications, There are some studies that have shown that anesthesia medication can stay in your body tissues for up to 18 months after a surgery. And I don't, I would have to get you the exact links and everything on there because I don't know what those are. But I mean, I have read them, you know, I just can't cite them off the top of my head, which I should be able to do. But yeah, so it's just, it's really taken into account that there's so much about the body that we don't know that I want to offer them as much support through that process as I can. So I'm also using, I combine certain essential oils with the oil that I'm using to actually work on their skin and on their tissues. And those oils change so that they can be obviously best supportive for whatever condition the woman is coming in for. And most of my clients that I see are post-childbearing women who are suffering from incontinence or prolapses. Those are the the biggest population that physically come into my office. And that's very common, isn't it? It is common, but it is not normal. So thank you for using that word. I appreciate it. (laughs) 
it's a word I use a lot with menopausal women, I think, because common allows us for that uniqueness that each of us is. But if we actually use normal, then people think that they're not normal. And, and that can set us into a spin, whether that's in any physical condition, or we're suddenly not normal. We're using a word that's frightening. So to the listeners out here, common, your symptoms may be common, they're unique to you, but all of us are having a normal experience. Right. And I also want to say this about those two words specifically, because at least in, I can't speak for other countries, but certainly in the US, it's the word normal is used, you know, I'm almost 41 years old. I've had three children, all via C-section. And it is, according to general society, it is accepted as normal for me to maybe pee a little when I cough or if I jump or if I sneeze. So I want people to know that it is not normal. That's not a normal thing for your body to do. It is a common thing for your body to do. But what I say normal is I don't want people to accept, well, this is normal. This is what's supposed to happen to my body. I'm supposed to pee when I cough because I've had three C-sections when that in fact is not true. Do you know, because there's, we're talking, we're definitely talking about two different things there, but I wanted to stress that because if a 40 year old man walked into the doctor and said, I can't hold my urine, they would find out why immediately. But when a 40 year old woman walks into the doctor who's had three kids and says, I can't hold my urine, they'll say, well, you're 40 and you've had three kids. I mean, of course, they're going to try to help me, but it's accepted as normal for women in those situations. When it is in fact is not, it can be completely prevented. Correct. But it is very, very common for that to happen. It's very common. It's very women to have those experiences and for women to not always get the help they need as you said your doctor can turn around and say to you oh well that you know that's because of the age you are and you're brushed off and dismissed and unfortunately i think amy and you and i've had this conversation before that this happens so often to women whether it's your pelvic floor whether it's the fact that you're feeling anxious and stressed that you can't sleep sometimes they just say well what do you expect and they push women out the door and women are left thinking, well, where do I, where do I turn? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot about the pelvic floor. I mean, talk a little bit more about this. I mean, you talk a lot about this deep manipulation and women so commonly having prolapses. How is that actually occurring, Amy, that that's become such a common thing for women to experience? Well, I mean, that could potentially be a really loaded question. It's <laughs> to take me a while to answer. Several things can cause a prolapse. Be weak pelvic floor muscles, traumatic childhood or childbirths, trauma, sexual trauma can cause it. In fact, if your muscles are too tight, this is usually what happens. Usually, if women start having a problem with, let's say, leakage of urine, or maybe they feel pressure down there, and they're feeling pressure, but they're not sure what it is. Their first reaction, a lot of times, is to just do Kegel exercises when that is not always a good thing to do. If you are having leakage, if you're, and especially if you're having pressure, and definitely like if you can put your finger in your vagina and feel something in there that shouldn't be in there, or if it's obviously coming out, 
I mean, that needs intervention. Go to your doctor and that needs to be taken care of right away. How it starts is that let's say there's a little bit of pressure and you think, well, I'll just do kegels. Maybe that will help. So, and you're sitting up or maybe you're driving or maybe you're standing or maybe you're walking because so many times I hear women say kegels are such a great thing to do because I can do them all the time and nobody even knows I'm doing it. But there is a proper and an improper way to do that. If you are having pressure and you feel like there's something maybe coming out or you're not sure something is moving down into that canal, the last thing you want to do is squeeze that by doing kegels because you're actually going to be pulling the prolats down more. And we don't want to do that. Also, if you have a prolapse, you are definitely going to want to like lie down and elevate your hips so that your pelvis is actually tilted backwards. Use gravity as your friend, but definitely seek a pelvic floor physical therapist to get all of your questions answered. This is what they do. This is what they specialize in. So ask for help because it is out there. And after childbirth and after pelvic surgeries, People really need to be advocating for themselves to get this pelvic floor therapy, to get some, whether it's internal or external, because we don't have a lot of great after childbirth care. I don't know what it's like around the world, but there is not a lot of like rehab after, let's say, a C-section or any abdominal surgery, bowel, bladder, appendix, anything in that area that's a huge bucket basically of scar tissue that is never being addressed. And then that can also cause problems. So maybe the scar tissue is preventing the adequate function of a certain muscle because it's pulling something, it's pulling a ligament, it's pulling a tendon. So we have to address the scar tissue issue as well. So, I mean, it can be a lot of things. (laughs) I think you've made that very clear that it's really quite a lot that it can be that this is complicated But at the same time, it's difficult for women to have this kind of issue with their pelvic floors because, I mean, there's no fun if you jump. You can't play sport. You can't run. You can't play with your kids because you're afraid of leakage. And you're right. Kegels is what's always pushed out there is just do kegels. It'll be fine. And we don't always access all the right muscles in the right way, do we, if we do that? Correct. Yeah. And I found that out that, in fact, I didn't know, and I, I bet many of my listeners don't know that there are muscles at the front and at the back, and we don't know which ones we're actually squeezing or not. And I think a lot of women are just given these apps to follow, and they, they have no idea whether it's working or not. Right. And the other thing, too, just everyone listening, is that in the medical system, in most places, there are all these protocols that are set forth. And they follow the protocols and insurance sometimes can affect what those protocols are. But those protocols are not based on you. You know what I'm saying? Those protocols are not based on me. So how do we know that that's going to work for us? So when you go to your doctor and the doctor says, this is what we can do, and either that doesn't feel right for you or it doesn't work for you, don't just settle that, okay, well, this is their protocol and it didn't work. So now I'm stuck and I can't do anything else. There's so much more that can be done. You just have to find it because unfortunately, there's not enough crossover. There's not enough collaboration between, you know, the natural or Eastern side and 
the more indigenous healing methods versus, I guess, the, you know, more mainstream Western kind of medicine approach. That's very true. So true. I think one of the things you mentioned that I loved was that in addition to the manipulation, you really work with with Reiki, the whole energy healing system. Talk more about that and how that for yourself, but also for your clients now, is such a big part of the change and the transformation they can have. Right. So Reiki is Chinese, I mean, sorry, Japanese. It originated in Japan, and it's based on the Eastern belief that there's an energy that supports the body's innate ability to heal itself. And there are seven, there are more than seven chakras, but there are seven um, that are commonly recognized. And the three, I work with all of the chakras, but physically I'm working on three chakras. And those are the first three, the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus. So I don't know how much your listeners know or what you have generally talked about on the show, but the root chakra, which is at the base of your spine, And there's a front and a back to every chakra. It's not just one spot on your spine. So I like to say that it's it's your entire perineum area. This is the root chakra. This is where you get your security, safety, and survival. So your very basic needs, the food, the shelter. This is also where our physical identity is and our grounding. This is the support and the foundation for our lives here and now. So then moving up to the sacral chakra. This is by the sacrum. So as it comes through, it's right, you know, it's right down there in that pelvic area. This is kind of the emotion center of our body. This is where we have our emotions, our fantasies, our creativity. This is where the expression, now again, this is all energetically. This is where the expression of sexuality and sensual pleasure comes from. And this is where kind of expanding. So it's more than just our personal and physical identity. This is how we relate to the inner and outer worlds of ourself. So how we relate to our higher self and how we relate to our immediate community and family around us. Then moving up, kind of like just by the belly button, a little bit above, is the solar plexus. And this is our power center. This is where our personal power, responsibility, self-assuredness, our confidence comes from. This is how our personal identity and how we relate to the world, our nation. And this is where we form our personal beliefs and opinions of ourselves and others. And it's also our decision maker. So I say all of that to say this. Those three chakras have everything to do with our humanness on this earth during this lifetime right now. So those have to be healed and balanced before the upper three or the upper four rather the heart, throat, third eye, and crown chakra can be balanced. Also, when you think of intuition, when you think of women's intuition, mother's intuition, intuition in general, that comes from our pelvis. So if we have been violated, if we have had trauma, if we have had any type of surgery in that area that has disrupted, anything that disrupts our energy flow is going to settle in that area. And if it's not taken care of, it will eventually cause physical ailments like endometriosis, like painful periods, like polyps and things like that. Now, that's not to say that you can heal it all with energy. You can massively improve it. 
And the other part is where, you know, that's where the surgeons come in and they can come in, they can clear all that stuff out or as much as they can. And the physical, visceral manipulation combined with the energy healing is so supportive to women during that time because Reiki heals you on every level throughout all space and time without you having to relive any of the trauma. That's why it's so beautiful. It's such full, beautiful healing mechanism. It's absolutely amazing. And I would say to my listeners, if you've ever had Reiki, you'd be blown away by how it makes you feel. But I love what you actually talked about there about that we have to be grounded and that the healing and working on these lower chakras is so important too, because it's part of being a woman, but it's also about grounding us. And I think, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of conversation about third eyes and hearts and far less conversation about the lower chakras. At the world in which you hear, because a lot of meditative work and what women do seems to always be up in the head. And I think we're quite heady enough as it is in, in the world we, which we live in. So if we put too much emphasis there, we're, we're out of balance. Have I got that somehow right, Amy? Yes, 100%. Because everything I just explained about those chakras, our upper, we can't work on our third eye or our crown without being fully grounded and rooted into our humanness and who we are right now because we're human. Once we die and we become spirit and those first three chakras fall away because we're not in a human body anymore, we don't need them, then we don't need them. And we can live off in spirit and go wherever we go or whatever, you know, wherever you believe you're going to go. But while we're here on this earth, we have to be human because we're human. We have to be on the earth because Our mother earth is what's going to support us the most. So being physically grounded and healing ourselves through our pelvis, we can literally heal all aspects of our life through our pelvis. Are you a business owner and you're having problems with sales? Well, are you confident in yourself? What is the inner thoughts that you're saying to yourself? Do you feel you're not worthy? Are you afraid of success? Are you afraid of failing? All of that is right in your pelvis energetically speaking. If we continue to heal it and balance it, it improves your sex life. It improves your relationships. It improves your income. It really is the basis of all of that, in my opinion. Amazing. And definitely what I feel there is that we are suddenly more stable. As you said, we're more confident and we're more grounded. And so many of us race to our heads to fix things. And we're never grounded. And also, we don't address the trauma, as you said. We just don't address the issues we have. So we try and fix it through our minds. And that doesn't work for women. A lot of that kind of headspace type of stuff is all about doing. It's very masculine. It's a very different way to approach the world, although men need to be grounded too. But we're ignoring the primal part of us, which is our uterus, our pelvis, that are what make us women and what make us bring forth life. Exactly. And that's a really great point for you to bring up because feminine and masculine, we all have feminine and masculine energy within us. It has to be balanced in in all beings. But the feminine side is the nurturing side. And that is where our pelvis kind of comes in, okay? 
So I like to really stress that that is where your power is as a woman, whether you ever have children or not, whether you ever have biological children or not. And if those organs have been removed, none of that matters. And what matters is those energy centers are still there. And I, you know, because I've had women say, so because I, does it matter that I can't have children? Absolutely not. Whether you can't or whether you don't want them, it does not matter. The feminine aspect of us is just driven to nurture because that's what we're charged with right now on this earth plane in this lifetime. And so I always like to stress that because it does not matter, you know, what is inside your pelvis and whether it's been used for its biological purpose or not, it still is your power center and your feminine strong point. And when you feed it properly and when you work with the energy properly, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. That is beautiful. And I think that really starts to lead into the need for us to listen and tune into these energy centers and to learn to listen to those deeper parts of our body. I know that that's a big passion point for you, Amy. Talk a little bit more about how women can learn to listen to their own bodies. Right. So one of the things is to, I always tell people, you need to know how your body feels and you need to know how your body looks. So look at yourself and touch yourself all over. Look at your face. I mean, we have to check our skin, right? For moles. It's the same thing with every part. So it's easy for us to look at our to look at our torso, you know, maybe to look at the backs of our legs if we can turn that far, have someone look at our back, look in a mirror to look at our back. But we're never looking, we're never looking at our labia, we're never looking at our yoni. We're, I mean, we need to know our norms for everything because it's going to tell you a story. So that leads to what comes out of our body is telling us a story. If you are still menstruating woman, there is a very specific cycle that your body goes through. And if you, this becomes really important if you're trying to have a child, this becomes really important if you want to ovulate. So we need to pay attention to the mucus that's coming out of our bodies, the consistency of it, Sometimes the odor of it, this is going to let us know. Perhaps we have a bacteria overgrowth or who knows what. When hormones become involved, they can become off balance and so many things can happen. But do not look at your body or anything that comes out of it as gross or disgusting or shameful. It is not. It is a story and pay attention to it because when you know what your body's norms are, you will know when something is off and you can catch whatever it is much earlier. It's your body to explore. There's nothing wrong with that. So do it. Exactly. That is incredibly important advice because we are not culturally attuned to look at our yoni, our labia, to, to investigate that. And it is, as you say, very often an early sign that something may not be right, whether we are in menopause or whether we are pre-menopausal or post-menopausal. But if we never look and if we never investigate, we don't know and we don't take it to track ourselves. And I, you know, I'm always saying that on this show, track your symptoms, track your periods, because that's how you know what your cycle looks like. When something changes, you're catching it much quicker than a hormone test would track it. I mean, hormone tests can be wildly inaccurate depending on when we do that. But if we have 
intimate knowledge of our own bodies, we begin to understand that there may be changes and we can monitor those and we can have informed conversations with our healthcare providers, which we can't have if we never do these things. Right. And the other piece to that is exactly these conversations. You know, you said with healthcare providers, we've got to be having these conversations in our own living rooms, out to dinner with our girlfriends, because here's the deal. I turned 40 in 2020. My daughter turned 13 and she got her period for the first time. And it was a huge energy shift in our home. Mm -hmm. I also have two boys, one older, one younger. And I just realized everything that she knows about herself versus what I knew about myself. And I didn't know any of it because nobody taught me because nobody told my mother and nobody told my grandmother. So my podcast and why I go on other people's podcasts, my podcast is called Women's Pelvis Wellness. And I created that and I go on other women's podcasts because I want to be a space for other women to have these conversations with each other. Because if you are experiencing something a handful of other women are experience, around you are experiencing the same exact thing. So speak to each other. You don't have to go on a podcast. You don't have to do anything public, but create that space. You yourself be that space for these women to come forward and say, you know what? Sex is excruciatingly painful after menopause and I can't fix it. Can you help me? I have no libido and my husband's 10 years younger than me and I'm afraid he's going to leave. Like have these conversations, you know, I had three miscarriages, have these conversations. I mean, it is incredible. The women that are coming into my home or into my office and they're having these conversations and they're so embarrassed and they're so ashamed because, you know, women are supposed to have babies and why can't my body make a baby or why can't my body hold on to this? Or I never knew that menopause was going to be freaking hell. I didn't know that I would want to die because my symptoms are so horrible. But nobody's having these conversations. And the women don't feel comfortable telling them to their doctor because they're so embarrassed. So you have to be the space. You have to create the space for these conversations to happen. Because every woman yeah. all over the world are suffering with these ailments that we don't have to suffer from. No, have a lot, and we have a tremendous amount of shared knowledge, a lot of experiences, a community. If we have these conversations, and I think we have to find ways to get over a lot of the stigma and the norms that we have had built on into us from childhood and more, where we can't talk about them, but we're not doing ourselves a good service if we don't have open conversations, because nothing is other than it's all common, as we said earlier on in the podcast. And there is someone, as you say, who has probably had a similar experience and can empathize with you, can maybe give you some advice that something that worked for them or somewhere to look for information so that you don't feel that this is a battle. And sadly, you know, with menopause, 70% of women do this journey entirely alone, which is, for me, is heartbreaking to hear. Exactly. And every woman who gets to that age is going to go through it. Just like every girl, she's going to get her period unless there's some other underlying medical condition. So why aren't we teaching people about our bodies? At the very least, at the very least, we should be teaching people about their bodies. I mean, there are 
women my age and older who don't even know their anatomy. I reached out to a mother's group, a local mother's group in my community. And I said, if I created some short, you know, 90 minute classes about teaching kids going through puberty and their parents, what would you want to learn about? And I had women saying, I was assaulted. I was raped. I feel completely inadequate to talk about this. I don't, she couldn't talk about it because of her own sexual trauma, which is incredibly common. That is something that happens so often. And when we have our own trauma, it makes us kind of incapable of speaking about it unless we've healed ourselves, which the therapy that I do does that. But actually talking, we're actually talking about women being able to talk with other women. Right. So being able to talk about it because, because we don't know, we don't know our own anatomy or, you know, maybe we feel inadequate. Maybe we thought like, well, I figured it out just fine on my own. They will too. And that's, I think, just a really huge disservice. So we have to, again, create the space. But really, sometimes we have to get down to like the absolute basics of anatomy and the function of your body and then kind of bring in the energy piece and the nutrition piece too, because nutrition affects hormones and hormones rule our bodies. So we have to be giving ourselves really, really great nutrition, which is kind of a whole nother ball of wax. But it is the basis of our physical health and our mental health. So we need to be feeding ourselves well. Exactly. But what would some of your other key tips would be in terms of going on a journey towards better health, healing themselves, particularly healing this root and sacral and the, which other chakra was it? Now I've forgotten. <laughs> No, sure. Root, sacral, and solar plexus. Solar plexus. That was the other one. I think I call that something different. I think I have an Indian name for it. <laughs> no. So obviously what you said, you know, talking about it, knowing your body's physical norms, check yourself out, look at yourself, take note, everything, you know, moles. I mean, anything you can think of. So the, again, know your norms. If something is happening and you didn't, you're not, you feel like you're not getting adequate help for it, Go to another practitioner, seek out other help. Don't just accept that what they have to offer is all there is because no one can do everything. So we have to talk to other types of practitioners. I think those wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Amy, I love that. I really do because I think they're very simple steps that any of the listeners, any woman out there who is having issues and feels that they don't know what to do, who to turn to, to talk to other people, to really get to know their own bodies and to get the help that we all deserve. And it's out there. Amy's one of these wonderful people that's providing that are just steps that we can do. And we become empowered, don't we, Amy, when we do that? Absolutely. Definitely. Again, the energy piece is really key. So find someone local you can certainly reach out to me. I mean, energy is energy, so it can be done virtually. But that's a huge, huge piece that at least we're around where I live is hugely, hugely missed. I think it's missed everywhere, actually. I think it's not something that gets or cared about or worked with in any way unless people consciously seek it out. But it's central to our well-being. I think our energy is something that it affects every aspect of our lives, whether that's 
our work, our relationships, our personal health, if our energy is off whack, then somewhere along the line, we're off whack. Right. Yeah. Amy, I've loved having you on the show. I think you could talk forever on these subjects because they're so deep. But how can people get hold of you and learn more about the work that you do? Sure. You can go to any anywhere you listen to podcasts and you can listen to the podcast. It's called Women's Pelvis Wellness. And I love seeing reviews and getting ideas for topics. So that's always appreciated. My website is Soul Healing Body Work wellnesscenter.com. That is also my Facebook page. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Amy Lee Kaiser. And my email is amy at reproductive solutions, wi.com. Brilliant. If you want to find out, know more about Amy and connect with her, then go to her podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. There is a website and there's email, and also connect with her on social, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Amy, I love talking to you. I think there's just wisdom that any woman can connect into, whether you are premenopausal, post, or in the middle of this, at times, tough journey. Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions. Why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback opinions and stories matter to me and I would love to hear from you so drop me an email clarissa at clarissachristiansen.com I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast and if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support pop over to my website clarissachristiansen.com you can find free resources and you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov career usbp. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.